Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning on this. You know, it's actually not a bad winter day. It's going to get in the, I think, upper 30s, almost 40, maybe 40s today. It's going to get up, I think, around 50 tomorrow. It's going to be a great weekend, but it's causing some uh, some issues on where you should go and what you should do. We're going to try to give you a, a little advice about that today. You know, there's a lot going on yet. Um, there is some ice on the front range, and I know people are venturing out. Uh, I had Brad Peterson drove by St. Varane just a couple days ago, and they were half open. This morning coming in, they were frozen, but I can't tell you what the ice is. Um, I'm, I think if I'm ice fishing, I'm headed up in the mountains. We'll talk more about that. By the way, speaking of cold nights, I want to say hi to my friends in northern Minnesota. My hometown of Hibbing was like 29, 30 below last night. So, uh, so I'm glad I'm here. It gets cold here, but not like the winters you get up there. We'll take you up in the mountains and cover some ice fishing today. We're going to talk to Parks and Wildlife about the new structure for the big game season. You're running out of time to get your input on, so you want to listen to that later this hour if you want to put input into what the new hunting structure should look like. They're thinking about things like lengths of season and and uh, more space between the seasons, things like that. So if you have an interest in that, you might want to pay attention. We'll take you up in the mountains today, and uh, we'll talk just a variety of fishing and opportunities. But one opportunity that um, really is all year long in Colorado that sometimes we don't cover enough in the winter is fly fishing. And uh, joining us from uh, the Blue Quill Angler to talk about it is Buck Meyer. Good morning, Buck. Hey, good morning, Terry. How you doing? You know, I'm doing great. And I think, well, I think too often we put the long rods away uh, and we don't fly fish enough in the through the winter. Some of my best fly fishing ha- has taken place right in the dead of winter after an extremely cold weekend and then a warm-up. And then there's other things involved with fly fishing like tying and things. So fly fishing really is a year-round experience, isn't it? It is uh, definitely a year-round experience. Um, You can get out there 365 days a year to fish here in Colorado, if that's your thing. No, you're absolutely right. Let's talk a little bit about where some of this is happening. My guess would be, and I talked to you briefly, but just overall in the state, my guess would be, because we have had an extraordinary amount of warm days this winter, is that We've had some cold. We've got some rivers icing up at times, but there's also been a lot of really good days to be on the river, I would think. Yeah, we get some really nice days coming up on Sunday. Even like you mentioned, it's going to be in the 50s um, in, in certain places in Colorado and makes for a nice time to get out. And, you know, even on those colder days, if you can bundle up and stay warm enough, uh, you can still have a great time out on the winter um, or on the water in the wintertime. Um yeah, where, where, I was just going to say, where I know you guys fish the Platte a lot. What's going on there? Yeah, we do fish the Platte quite a bit. Um, I was talking to one of our guides who was out this week, and uh, they were up there. We had a little bit of snow the other the other morning, but they still made it up there uh, with a group. And um, great fishing early on in the day when there was a little bit of cloud cover. Um, it seemed like it slowed down just a little bit once the sun popped out. Um, that seems to be kind of a, a common theme. You know, if you can catch it on a day where there's a little bit of overcast sky, it seems like the fish are, 
a little bit more active um, during those times. You get some hatches, some midge hatches coming off. And um, we're getting close to that time of year where we're going to start seeing some blue-winged olives coming off as well. Now, you're right that the cloud, the hatches seem to improve quite a bit when there's cloudy in the air, especially if it's warm. My, my, my experience has been that on warmer days with the clouds, we see more hatches. On the little cooler days, when the water... When the sun warms the water a little bit, sometimes the fish get a little bit more active. Do you see that, too? Yeah, we'll see that quite a bit, too. You know, on those really cold mornings, uh, you know, it might start off slow, but once the sun comes out, start, starts to heat things up a little bit, uh, the bu- bugs become a little bit more active and, um, you know, the fish as well. Now, uh, the flows were a concern, not for the health of the fish, but the flows this winter were down a little bit, and the fishing got to be a little technical. Are you seeing a little better flows, or is it still pretty technical throughout the like Cheeseman and those areas? Still pretty technical uh, pretty much throughout all of the tailwaters. I took a peek at some of our uh, flows uh, throughout the state on our tailwaters, and it looks like just about everywhere is running a little bit low uh, for this time of year. Um, you know, low low and clear water uh, just means you need to be a little bit more stealthy, maybe size down to, you know, a six or even a six and a half X tippet um, with some smaller flies uh, to get it done out there. Well, and I, I think, you know, one thing we want to make sure people understand is unlike in the summer when these flows are low, this water is cold. It's going to have, it's flowing. It's going to have a lot of oxygen in it. So you really don't have to be concerned about the health of the fish when you catch them and release them like you would in the summer because they they thrive quite well in that cold water they do yeah trout uh cold water species they're uh definitely uh you know they do well in that cold water that's um that's their habitat and you don't have to worry about the health of the fish i think uh, it's just a matter of getting out there and, and finding the active fish the feeding fish um and then using a subtle and somewhat stealthy approach to uh, present some flies in a way that'll trigger those fish uh, to eat. So if you were headed out, um, let's take a few different areas. If you were headed as close to Denver maybe as you could, maybe the maybe the Deckers area, I mean, where would you go fishing? Like tomorrow it's going to be warm. We're going to get a couple cold days. And by the end of the week, it's going to be really warm for an extended period again. Give me a couple places you might want to head out to. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we've already touched on Deckers and uh, even Cheeseman Canyon this time of year. You might find some snow up there. So if you've got some studded boots, that's nice for navigating through the ice and snow that you might find on the trail up there. But it's still fishable. It's still a nice time to get out into the canyon. Um, otherwise, a couple other places that I like that are relatively close, uh, Pueblo, the tailwater below uh, Pueblo Reservoir. Um, it's a really nice place to get out. It's generally a bit warmer down there in the wintertime uh you know, we're going to see 50 degrees up near Decker's area, but uh, it might even be a little bit warmer down there. And that's a really nice tailwater to fish in the wintertime and pretty much throughout the year, too. No, you're absolutely um, right. They did a lot of habitat improvement down there, and they put some re- regulations on the trout. And it can be just, it's really turned into a great tailwater. And, it, you know, runs right through town. There's actually um, a bike path that follows it right through town, so it's got easy access. And then if you fish up close to the dam, I've not only caught trout, but I've caught walleyes and smallmouth bass and even catfish. And you said you have some friends that have caught carp up there. Yeah, carp, yeah, the carp are a little uh, further down uh, on the river, not quite right up close to the dam. But, yeah, I have seen some carp in there. Um, 
And then the, the white suckers too, I've seen some folks uh, pull some white suckers out of there as well. So kind of a nice variety of fish, not just trout. Um, you'll find some nice, uh, you know, uh, as far as size goes, um, some nice trout in that area as well. Um, I was going to say too, Terry, uh, you don't necessarily, if you go down there to Pueblo, you don't necessarily have to fish right below the dam. There's quite a bit of water that you can fish uh, below uh, the dam area, closer to town too. No, you're right. It goes, in fact, it goes right through town. And before they did that habitat restoration, I've walked that river a few times, both with fly rods and with um, spinning gear and done quite well. I haven't really fished it very extensively since the improvements. I can only think it's better. Any other spots? I'm sure most of the state's tailwaters are going to be fishing well, especially as we get more and more into the spring and those rainbows get kind of an urge to spawn. Yeah, uh, you know, tailwaters right now are um, you're kind of your best bet. A lot of the freestone rivers in the state are still seeing some ice. Um, you may find some open water down on the Arkansas River, maybe closer to Canyon City. Um, not sure how the conditions are looking closer to Salida or Buena Vista, but you may find some open water down that way as well. Um, another one that's uh, fairly close to Denver is uh, uh, the Blue River down uh, below Dillon. Um, it can get a little bit crazy with ski traffic up there, so that might be a little bit better bet during the week uh, if you're trying to avoid traffic. But uh, that's another nice tailwater um, that's, that usually fishes well throughout the wintertime. Now, if I really just want to wait for warmer weather to do my fishing, this is a great time of the year to start getting ready. I'm going to talk later in the show about getting your conventional gear ready. But this is a yeah. great time to not only get your gear ready, but to tie flies, especially uh, if, you know, if you've if you've got some ideas in mind. Now, I think at your, at your shop, you actually have classes in fly tying. Is that right? Yeah, we just started our kind of spring series of fly tying classes. Um, yeah, it's a great way to uh, fill up your fly boxes. Um, you know, when it's cold outside, maybe you're not that hardy cold weather guy. Um, and, you know, you might want to prepare for the upcoming springtime uh, trout season. Um, so as far as classes go, uh, we've got, options for both beginning fly tying classes as well as some ad advanced classes where uh, we've got a streamer class a, a, a dry fly class as well as a euro nymph uh, fly tying class coming up um, all of that information is on our website if uh, anybody out there is interested bluequillangler.com um, or give us a shout at the shop you know you uh, mentioned you mentioned the oh. streamers um, and and this time of the year I'm not afraid once in a while, even though the, everybody's downsizing, sometimes to get a reaction strike by instead of downsizing in some of these streams, sometimes I like to throw a streamer and get those fish to react to it instead of trying to just fool them with a drift. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it, that can be a really fun way to fish in the wintertime, especially yeah, maybe you're having a hard time out there with your indicator rig, not really catching very many fish. Um, you know, switch to a streamer. Maybe you want to downsize your streamer just a little bit, you know, a size 8 or a size 10. But it can be a really fun way to uh, get that reaction bite going, get those fish stirred up a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Yeah, and we, we talk about reaction bites quite a bit on this show, both in fly fishing and conventional. And just so people understand, when you're dr dead drifting a midge, you're trying to get that that trout to eat. He's got time to look it over usually. You've got to fool him into thinking it's food, just like you might with a jig with an artificial minnow on it if you were conventional fishing. And if you if you um 
but with a streamer or something more active, like a minnow bait or something in the conventional gear, you rip it by them quickly, and and they have to respond to it. They don't get as much chance to look it over. Even if they're not feeding, a lot of times they'll just get a reflex action to it, which really can be a lot of fun, like you said. You know, speaking of flies, when you get out on the water, Buck, is there a handful of flies that, say you're say you're going to go to your bench and start tying right now, and you're going to start tying for this spring, what are a, a few flies you'd really want to tie and make sure you had an abundance of? Sure. So, uh, yeah, we talked about this the other day when I uh, chatted with you, but um, yeah, some of my favorites, uh, one that I don't leave home without is a CDC pheasant tail tied on a jig style hook. Uh, For whatever reason, it just works. Um, I tie them in a lot of different sizes, uh, size eight all the way down to 16. And uh, that's definitely something I don't leave home without. You can fish it on an indicator rig, fish it uh, as a dropper behind a dry fly. Um, and I do some European style nymphing, kind of a, a, a different topic for another time, but uh, it's a great fly for that. Um, but looking forward to the spring for your more conventional uh, style of flies, the uh, betas are going to start coming off for the blue winged olives. Um, so I like to have a handful of uh, stall cups. Betas is one of my favorite uh, betas patterns, as well as uh, Pat Dorsey's mercury betas. Uh, really nice little tie pretty pretty easy tie you can really crank them out um and uh you know uh midges too i'd never leave home without midges um some of my favorites black beauties and also the mercury midge another one of pat dorsey's patterns uh i'll have those in my fly box year round you're gonna find midges in the water uh, throughout the year it doesn't matter whether it's middle of the summer or middle of the winter you're gonna see um, midges in the water and trout will always eat midges. So, well, you know, it, it, it's hard to go out in Colorado and not have midges in your box to have some mayflies. And boy, you better have some caddis at almost any time, even if they're nymphs, because there's something going on with all three of them. It seems like, or at least one of the three all the time here. I want to get back to that pheasant tail on the jig style hook we'll take about 30 yeah. seconds more that cdc yeah. pheasant tails obviously uh you know a mainstay that most people will have in their box why do you like the jig style hook so much you know i like the jig style hook because uh it rides with the hook point facing up and uh that gives you two advantages number one uh it doesn't snag on the bottom of the river quite as much as a conventional style hook uh, number two, you get a really nice hook set with those jig style hooks right in the top of the fish's mouth where you have some, some meat, some structure for that hook to, to grab onto. Um, so those two quick reasons why I really like that jig style hook. All right. We got to run, but how, how could people get a hold of you guys if they want to go to one of the classes, book a guide trip, or just want to buy some flies or fly tying stuff or get some information? Yeah, uh, a couple of ways you can stop in at our store. Number one, uh, we're located in Evergreen, Colorado in um, Bergen Park. And uh, we're just about uh, maybe two miles off of I-70 on the Evergreen exit. And then uh, you can give us a call, 303-674-4700, or on our website, bluequillangler.com. All right. Buck, thank you so much. Uh, Great information. And folks, just get out there. The fishing is still great. Thank you. Awesome. Nice chatting with you, Terry. Thanks so much. You bet. That's Buck from the Blue Quail Angler. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I was cooking in the microwave. Got a three-day beard. I don't plan to shave. And it's a 
goofy thing, but I just gotta say. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite people from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. It's always a beautiful day for you. I know that. You have just the best attitude in the world, and it just always comes through, Michelle. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. Well, well I want to talk about a few things at Bar Lake. I think before we even get into it, there's always new listeners. Tell people where Bar Lake is located and describe the park a little. Great. So Bar Lake is just 25 minutes east of Denver. We're right off of I-76 in Bra- off Bromley Lane in Brighton, Colorado. So we're a quick trip from Denver. And, you know, Bar Lake has a lot to offer. So this time of year, especially to see the eagles. But we have a wonderful nature center where you can see lots of exhibits. We have um, fishing. We have an archery range. We have a trail that goes 8.8 miles all the way around. So there's just a lot of things you can do outside. Even some hunting opportunities there, I believe, right? Yes, we do. We have waterfowl hunting, and then in the month of September, we even have dove hunting. So it's really got you know, just something for everybody. It's a day-use park, so yes. and so, but it uh, people can't camp there. But other than that, you can do just about anything, and you're just a short drive from home. Now, I want to eventually talk about conditions and fishing and things, but first I want to talk about your event, and that's this Eagles. You told me that there's an extraordinary number of Eagles there this year? Yes, so we have a wintering population. The most we've ever counted in one day is 67. So it's a great time of year to come out and see the wintering bald eagles. And next Saturday, February 2nd, we have our bald eagle festival. And from 10 to 2, we'll have a a range of activities where you can take a shuttle ride, you can go on a walk with a volunteer, we'll have a live bald eagle presentation from Nature's Educators, we'll have crafts for kids. It's just going to be a great day all about the bald eagles. Say again, how many eagles you counted in one day? 67. Wow. You know, it, it's amazing, isn't it? I remember when eagles, and I'm old, of course, but I remember when eagles were put on the protected list and they were worried about them, you know, really almost becoming extinct. And now I travel from the Arctic Circle to the equator, and I'll tell you what, I see eagles almost everywhere in North America now. It's just wonderful. It's great. You know, we from our nature center, you can take our trail 1.3 miles, which is not very far, to our gazebo boardwalk. And you can walk out the boardwalk and look across the lake, and you can see the eagle's nest. An eagle's nest can be very large. It can be six to eight feet wide and two to four feet deep. Wow, that's awesome. So what a great, I mean, next Saturday at the festival with all the activities would be the prime time. But it sounds like any day you could get out there this week is going to be amazing to see eagles. And imagine if they stop by your 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 center, your interpretive center, whatever you uh, name it now, that there's people there that can kind of give them pointers on where to go look. Right. Any day is good. Um, But, yes, stop by the Nature Center, and we have a sighting board, and we have volunteers and staff that are ready to help people discover what's outside. Let's talk a little bit about the lake conditions. Um, I've been hesitant this year to send people or give them recommendations about ice fishing on the Front Range. The mountains have been good. But the Front Range, it's warm. You know, we had a couple cold days. It's going to be warm. We're going to get a couple cold days, and it's going to get really warm again. I don't imagine you've seen much ice fishing activity out there. You know, we've only had two ice fishermen in December, and right now we have a lot of open water. Bar Lake um, is unique where we start filling in the wintertime, so we have a lot of water coming in right now, and the lake is about three-quarters full, so we even have open water down by the boat ramp and in the wildlife refuge. Now, 
as you said, it's filling. Are you confident you will fill this year? Because, you know, we, we, were, we were lucky we started last year with a lot of water in our reservoirs. But, you know, we need a good snowpack there. So it looks like you're going to start the year in good shape. We are. We will fill for the, the summer season. That's awesome. Now, speaking of open water, we're not going to be that. Well, you said you've got open water. Is there castable open water accessible? Uh, there is, a little bit down by the boat ramp. And that'll increase. Now, you're going to get some skim ice that's going to build on a couple of the cold days, and it's going to get better as we get into some of the warmer days. But if we have this warm stretch that's going to start around Wednesday, Thursday next week and goes for like a week of 50s, there's going to be poss- probably by next weekend uh, a larger amount even. That's when your Eagle Festival is. You could come out and fish and do the Eagle Festival. But I would... I would venture to guess that because it's usually ice fished pretty heavily and it wasn't, you were probably stocked pretty good in the fall with trout. Is that right? We were, yes. And so I would think as we get to this open water now, people, and I'm going to be talking about this in all the front range waters over the next couple of weeks, and the fact that most of these trout haven't been harassed. You know, the catch rate through the ice is almost double what it is in open water, and a lot of those fish get pulled out and they get used to seeing baits. But that's not happening this winter on the Front Range. Those trout are going to be hungry and active. As that water opens up, they're going to come close to shore. And I'll bet even on a typical year, you get traditionally a good trout bite early, early in the year from shore. We do. And we see a lot of the bald eagles catching the trout, too. That's fun, isn't that, seeing a bald eagle come down and get a trout? Yes, it's oh. awesome. Oh, it's just amazing. So I would say people need to be following the conditions there, and I'd be ready to get out and start casting, even if there's still ice. If you've got castable open water there, I'd go out with your normal trout baits, you know, maybe some power eggs or some power bait, or I'd rather throw a spoon or a small jig. And, and while you're there, you're liable to catch. If you use a jig with something else, you're liable to catch some other species. What other species are in the lake? So we have walleye, we have perch, we have crappie, we have um, bass, so we have a lot of different species. So not only are trout going to be available, but a lot of those other fish are going to, they tend to get close to shore in the spring where the water warms and the food is. So I think they're going to see some great fishing opportunities. And Bar Lake is sometimes, I think, an underused resource because you have a restriction on big motors. They have to be less than 10 horsepower. But I've had my big boat out there and just put my electric down, and or if I have a kicker on my boat, I can run that. And you just do have great fishing. In fact, I think you're putting a clinic on in this uh, spring, aren't you? We are. So May 4th, we have our spring fishing clinic, and it's always our annual event. And this year it's going to be super special because we have our ADA-accessible fishing pier that will be open. So there's going to be opportunity for everyone um, to be able to go out on this pier and fish out into the water where sometimes when our lake is full, um, we don't have a lot of access on the shoreline because of the riprap. But now we're going to have this great pier, and we're going to have a big celebration on May 4th. Well, you know, another thing, too, you mentioned before I let you go, you mentioned the archery range. And one of the things I try to tell people is practice in the clothes you wear hunting. Now, in the summer, people hesitate to do that because it's too warm. Is your archery range available year-round? It is. So our standing range, which is from 10 to 100 yards, is open year-round. We do close our 3D range um, in the wintertime um, just to get the targets back up and ready. Um, And that will open up. Um, April 1st, but our standing range is open year-round. And that's a chance to get out in your winter clothing, your hunting clothing, (laughs) and see what kind of noise it makes. You know, things like 
Do my, does my clothing brush and make noise when I draw my bow? Do I have a different anchor point when I'm wearing my winter clothes? A lot of guys, don't, they don't understand to take advantage of that. You need Archery is like any kind of uh, shooting. You need to practice. It's a perishable skill, and you need to practice in the conditions that you probably are going to hunt in. Michelle, we've got to let you go, but one more time, tell them about the Eagle Festival. So the Bald Eagle Festival at Bar Lake State Park will be next Saturday, February 2nd, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with lots of great activities. So check out our website or Facebook page, and we'll post it all there. Thank you. It's always, it's always great, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. I'm serious, by the way, about getting out there. Is this ice recedes? You know, everybody knows I'm an avid ice fisherman, but I'm ready for some open water. And even just walking some of these lakes with some small jigs and spoons, you should be able to catch trout as soon as there's castable open water, if, especially if they were stocked in the fall. A lot of places that were stocked in the fall, they think they're going to get hit pretty hard by ice fishing, and they didn't this year. Even the bigger lakes, there was some bays and things that are being ice fished, but there's going to be some really excellent fishing. So if you've got that bug for open water, I'd start, after these warm days towards the end of next week, I'd start hitting some of the shorelines of these lakes and small ponds. They're going to be really, really active. So I would look for that for an early, easy uh open water bite, and even fly fishermen. Don't be afraid to go down and fish that still water and use some uh, some streamers and some more active flies, and you'll find out. You'll be surprised how good you can do. We're going to take a time out, and when we get back, we're going to talk about the structure changes that are being proposed for the big game season right here in Colorado. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Mark Lamb. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me this morning. Great to have you on. You know, I know you were listening a little bit. It's hard to get in a bad mood when you're talking to Michelle Siebert, isn't it? Oh, exactly. What a what a wonderful person, great park manager. Um, and I think I need to go to Bar, Bar Lake to go see the 60-plus Eagles. Well, isn't that something? That's and incredible. she's ju- And she's just... She's just so bubbly. You just she makes she's so enthusiastic. She makes you want to do it, and it's it's fun. She's just she's a great asset to Parks and Wildlife. But we're going to talk about some things now. You're in the middle. Um, every five years, they put together a structure plan. This kind of the outline for the big game seasons. You're in the middle of working on that, and there's still time left for public input. First, tell us, ex- describe to us what this plan is. What is this structure? Well, the big game season structure, uh, the current one we currently have is expiring in 2019, so we need to be planning ahead for 2020 through 2000, 2024. So the whole idea of the big game season structure is to try to come up with um, suggestions, ideas on what kind of hunting opportunities um, the, the public wants, and that could be anything from length of seasons, uh, the timing of seasons, the method of take, so those are just a few of the things that we're looking at right now to try to make things better for wildlife and to make things better for our constituents, the hunters. Now, once this is in place, it becomes kind of the guideline for the next five years. There's other things that can change in that. When We're going to get back to some of the things that are being looked at in this year's structure. But things like number of licenses and harvest and things, you kind of still will adjust that on a year-to-year basis based on results and current feedback. Is that right? Oh, exactly right. Um, hopefully people that have hunted 
and whether they were successful or not, have been answering the calls or the emails to uh, participate in the um, Hunter Success Survey because that's how we base a lot of our license recommendations on whether we increase or decrease licenses. And that's just one piece of the puzzle that we use um, in our herd management plans and also in trying to figure out what we need to do in the big game season structure. So public input in that part is very important as well as us hearing from the public on what they think or where we, we should be going with some of our hunting seasons. Now, before we get back to how people can participate and put input in while there's still time, what are some of the key issues you see that are going to probably be addressed? I mean, some of the stuff stays pretty static, but there's always key issues you're looking at, whether you'll change them or not. But what are some of the ones that are getting a hard look this year for the next five years? You bet. The uh, the topic is actually, or the topics are actually pretty long, but to kind of give you the Reader's Digest version, um, the Parks and Wildlife Commission and, and staff, we usually, as we're hearing comments from our hunting public, uh, we try to keep those ideas on what we're hearing and, and kind of put them in this big game season structure. So the, one of the really big ones we're hearing right now is the concern with overcrowding um, during the archery season. Uh, archery participation has increased dramatically over the last few years, and we're starting to hear quite a bit of complaint regarding just the overcrowding issue. And that could be things that are being addressed to try to help that. could be anything um, for maybe a couple of archery seasons, to maybe limited licenses for archery hunters. Um, there's all kinds of different options being discussed on the archery issue. Generally, with rifle seasons, the things we're, we're kind of hearing and looking at or maybe uh, seeing if hunters are, in, uh, are uh, okay with the current way the structure is set up with season dates, or maybe they want to see longer seasons, maybe they want to see longer breaks in between seasons, Maybe the starting date should be different. Typically, we start big game rifle seasons on a Saturday, and maybe that wants to be changed. So in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of some of the big topics. There's, uh, there's interest in uh, or some conversation on some moose topics, some antelope topics, uh, some deer topics. So there's a whole litany of different things that uh, people are suggesting and that the, and that the, Wildlife, or the Parks and Wildlife Commission are, are looking at right now. So... As we know that outdoor enthusiasts get extremely passionate and they have an agenda usually that suits their activities. You know, the the walleye fishermen want a, a lake managed for walleyes and somebody else wants them managed for put and take trout and there may be a conflict or a bass or, you know, there. But everybody and hunting is very much the same. And access is one of the keys and then maintaining good habitat. So we have great game for hunting is also, but they get very, they get very um, passionate and they don't always agree, but you do want the input so you can get the overall feeling of what the majority look at and what's going to be best overall. How can they give you input and then how can they find out more information about what's already the input has been and what some of the direction you're heading? Yeah, that's a great question, Terry. Um, and, you know, the number one key is always always the uh, the wildlife and the habitat. So that's the number one thing we're always looking at. Um, for input, probably the easiest way for folks to really kind of look at where we are and where we're going is to go to our website. And that's uh, cpw.state.co.us. And um, they, the, I find the easiest way to go is the first hap, thing that happens, you'll have a picture that pops up with a – looks like a dad and a gal, and 
a little gal and you wait for the next picture and it's a bunch of elk grazing, click on that picture and it gets you right to the five-year season structure. Um, there are still a whole bunch of different or uh, meetings coming up in the next few days or the next few weeks, I guess I should say, um, and people can attend one of those meetings. Um, and that's anywhere around the state. There's, uh, there's, let's see, I'm looking at a list right now. There's four over on the southwest part of the state. Um, Colorado Springs has one on the 29th of January. Um, in the northeast, um, we have one on February 5th up in Fort Collins. There's one on February 7th in Denver. And uh, if people cannot actually attend the meeting, another way that they can participate, there's actually two ways. We have two what we call telephone town halls that are going to occur. Uh, one is January 28th, and uh, that's for residents of Colorado. And if they go to the website, there's a phone number, and then there's that super secret passcode that gets you into the telephone conference that you can listen and participate that way. On uh, February 4th, there's actually a non-resident telephone town hall because, needless to say, we need to be listening to what the non-residents want to want to try to put some input in. If you can't make any or either of those, then if you're still back on that website, there's actually a big game season structure public comment form. That's a mouthful to say. And uh, more than happy to have people fill that out. And that's the way they can just sit at home and fill that out. It takes about five minutes. I know it took me less than five minutes to fill it out. And that's a great way to get your comments in. But we really, really stress that we want to hear from people. And as we move forward, Will we see updates on what the plans are leaning towards online? This won't just come out as a total surprise, right? No, no. If people continually look at that website, there'll be updates on the website. And kind of what our time frame is, is that right now, the month of January and February is when we're trying to get public comment. We're trying to hold meetings and town hall meetings. And I guess the big date people need to keep in the back of their head is that February 11th is the last day uh, for public comments. And then from there, what's going to happen is that in March and April, we'll be sharing all that information with the Parks and Wildlife Commission um, so they can kind of hear what the public is, is presenting to us. And then in June, we'll have the, uh, the, the final, I shouldn't say final, the draft will be presented to the Parks and Wildlife Commission on where we think we need to go with the big game season structure changes, if there are any. And then finally, the uh, final draft or the final uh, plan will be uh, for approval for the Parks and Wildlife Commission in July. Well, but, we're 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 out of time, but I think people need to get to where where's the just go to the website and click on that elk as it goes through. Yep, that that's the best place, Terry. And thanks for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I think this is very important. People are passionate, and access and good resources are so important to the outdoor community. Thanks for joining us, uh, Mark. And we'll I'm sure we'll be talking to you more as this progresses. That sounds great, sir. You have a great day. You too. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right, now we're playing the Eagles, and we've got one of our best partners on the line. You know I want to listen to this song. Uh, We better go. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is presented in part by Sun Power Sports. And joining us on the line from Sun is Mark Kite. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. I almost cut your time a little shorter. They played one of my favorite Eagle songs coming in. Yeah, I'm with you. That was a great song. We have an ongoing debate, Mark. It's been going on for almost 20 years on this show. 
about the Beatles and the Eagles. Now, I, I don't have anything against the Beatles. I think they were great. But to me, for the music that I love and the music of my generation, the Eagles are by far the greatest band in the United States. There's no question. So, No question. Pretty yeah. special for yeah, sure. There. Now, you can argue with me. It's okay. But it's my show, and I can cut you off. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can at yeah. any point. Hey, it's great to have you on. First of all, um, uh uh, you probably want to thank, the, say hi to the people at uh, those saw you at ISE because you guys were just swamped there. We were, no doubt about it. You know, that, the the International Sportsman's Expo is such a great event, and it's so great to catch up with the, you know, a, a lot of the outdoors folks. You know, that we deal with as customers and and just people in the industry too. You know, I saw um, at the boat show and, and Sportsman's Expo, which were a week apart. I saw Bernie Keefe, which was great to catch up with Bernie. I love Bernie's awesome, and you know, saw Nate down there, Zelensky, and then obviously Terry and Karen Wickstrom, of course, and <laughs> just a bunch of great people. But yeah, I want to thank you know, all of our customers. Customers. We had one heck of a show, and uh, it was a lot of fun like it always is. I heard the boat show was pretty good for you, too. Boat show went real well as well. Yeah, absolutely. The boat show was great, and uh, you know the folks that put the boat show on do such a fabulous job with it, and we couldn't be happier with that as well. So, no, it was a good show. Lots of lots of boats and, and personal watercrafts being sold down there this year, and so you know it's it's good to see. It's good for the good for the industry. Well, and speaking of sales, I always say on the radio how large you are and the advantage it gives you because you can buy at such bigger discounts because you buy so many. You received a pretty prestigious award from, I believe, it was Can Am, didn't you? Yeah, we did. You know, we're we're really excited. So, 16 months after being in with Can-Am, we uh, received the National uh, Off-Road Vehicle Dealer of the Year, which is just awesome. So, we're we're really proud of it. You know, and it's a uh, it's such an effort from everybody. You know, it's not just a Sun Enterprise deal by any means. You can't win stuff like that without just a phenomenal customer base. And you know, so uh, of course, definitely have to thank our customers for helping with that. But yeah, National Can-Am ORV Dealer of the Year, pretty pretty prestigious. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, you know, we always talk about all. All the different uses for ATVs, ice fishing, hunting, trail riding. We talk about the side-by-side as utilities and all that. Well, I think this last weekend was a wake-up call for a lot of people that uh, we're not done with winter yet. We may get a lot of warm weather, but we got our snowiest months ahead of us yet, especially if you're in the mountains, but even down here. And, and you guys not only have the ATV attachments, but other snow removal equipment at Sun, don't you? Yeah, we do. You know, it's so funny, this last snowstorm, you, you hit it on the head, just crazy, you know, snows a little bit, and even myself, I'm kind of getting into spring mode. I'm like, all right, man, let's get let's get spring here, and, uh, you know, here comes the snow, and you're right, the snowy months are coming. So, yeah, you know, ATVs, side-by-sides with plow attachments, we did a ton of that stuff the other day, and then also we carry, you know, the full line of Honda snowblowers as well, so, you know, we do a bunch of that stuff as well, so we had a, a lot, a lot of snow removal business happening the other day, which was fun to see. Well, you know, and it's, you're, you're, you've got such a big facility, people can stop by and check out some of that and you've got you got most of the best brands in the industry you just carry a lot of good stuff um also you know you've got some activities coming up i believe mark tell us about those well, we got lots of fun stuff coming up. You know, we've uh, we got the chili cook-off coming up next week. Um, also, you know, the Colorado motorcycle swaps coming, um, and then the arena crosses next weekend as well. So we got those events coming down at the Western Complex. So we'll be down there, you know, full tilt doing that. And then this week, uh, I do believe this coming up weekend, we've got our ice fishing trip with Nate Zelinsky, and uh, so that's going to be a good time. So yeah, just a lot of busy stuff coming up, and and a lot of a lot of fun stuff. Well, and if people people need to understand that you just don't you know you sell a 
Harleys, you sell the import motorcycles, you sell all the ATVs, but you guys get out and use them. And you're outdoor people. Uh, you and Ron, how, I don't know how many times we've gone fishing together. By the way, if you ever get a chance to fish with these guys, bring your trash talk. It gets a little intense with these guys. You guys aren't competitive, are you? Yeah, we're a little competitive, honestly. But uh, it's all in good fun, you know. I mean, that's just... Uh... It's all in good fun. We do do a little trash talking, though. We can't. We can't. Oh, we we that. have we have a great time. Hey, Mark, if somebody's looking for some of your activities or look at your inventory or sales that are going on, are there online resources? Yeah, for sure. So you know, I mean, <clears throat> we do a lot of stuff on social media. So you can check us out on Facebook. Um, obviously, you can find Sun Enterprises on Facebook or our website at Sun ent.com or sunharleydavidson.com either one you can check out uh, you know all the inventory and and uh, calendar of events and what we have going on up here and how do they find you if they just want to stop by yeah we're in Thornton at 89th and Washington so real super simple just take I25 to the 84th Avenue exit east two blocks to Pearl and just come up Pearl five-acre campus right-hand side you can't miss us yeah I'm sorry you know we were going to try to be part of this ice fishing trip and I'm end up. I'm going to have to be in New Orleans that weekend. So I just. Yeah, I know you're going to be roughing it. I know. I'll, I'll just, just be down there suffering. It, so. so I. I'm sorry. I'm missing that. But uh, just to give you a little bit of a up. Uh, uh, some the town I'm from in northern Minnesota was 29 below this morning. So. Oh jeez. Yeah, that's cold. <laughs> hey, Mark. As always, great talking to you, and thanks for being such a great partner to this show for so many years. Absolutely. Thanks, Terry. Have a great weekend. You bet. Mark Kite from Sun Power Sports. Just great people. You know, they're just. They're just tremendous, tremendous people. Hey, you know, if you're listening to the show and you like what we bring you, if like we brought you that information on the the changes being proposed for the big game hunting structure for the next five years, we've talked about some open water. We've already had fly fishing on. We're going to talk some more ice fishing uh, in the next hour, a couple of segments on that. We're going to talk some shooting and, and just overall getting ready for what's going on out there. So if you really enjoy what we do on this show and... You want to be part of it or know what's coming up. Follow us on Facebook, okay? Because we go uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And if you'd have, if you were following us, you'd have got the fishing report yesterday. But you also would have got um, a post I made a day or so ago about the fact that we're going to take you on one of the segments next hour up to Lake John, where the where the ice fishing has been phenomenal. We're going to get condition updates, upcoming tournament information, all that, all those type of things. And you would have known that was coming up by following us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And then Karen, about every couple of weeks, Karen goes to our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and she posts, she posts a... Um, a link to uh, she posts another show on the on the on the on the uh, YouTube channel, and it's usually you know they're all shows we filmed in the past, but she'll put a link up there, and she will, uh, and, and you can it'll take you right to it, and you'll see if there's one of interest. My columns when I write one, my uh, other information that I'm doing. A lot of times I'll bring up columns both current and from the past, and we'll put a link on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So you can go right to those columns and read them. And most of the time, we have audio podcasts from 
this radio show along with those columns so you can hear the expert not only read it so it's a great resource and we try to let you know when things are coming up on the show what things we're going to be at like when we were at the ISE we have trivia contests we give away great gifts usually the answer appear on our Facebook page Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook so really get on board and follow that we want to make that the centerpiece of you being involved in the show and getting you outdoors so you can enjoy, out, uh, enjoy your outdoor activities with more good information. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Nate Zielinski on 104.3 The Fan.